0: Fancy digs. Fancy digs.
1: So, uh, welcome to our season one, episode one, premiere episode of the strongly worded podcast. We thought today we would take a few minutes to uh, tell you a little bit about who we are and why we're here.
0: Well, why are we here? <laughs> why,
1: uh, why, why did we feel like we had enough to talk about to put together an interesting podcast?
0: Well, I can tell you from my, from my view, I've been wanting to do a podcast for a long time, and I was procrastinating about it until you sent me a message one day, and it was a picture of two podcast mics. And I said, oh, that's so great. I can buy these podcast mics from you. And I'll never forget because you, I actually think we were going to have dinner with you too. And you said to me, no. I was like, oh. Okay, well, I can, can I borrow them from you sometime? And I, I remember we were going back and forth, and you said, or we can do a podcast together. And I said, to, I remember I turned to my wife, and I said, so just ask me to do a podcast. What do you think about that? She was like, oh, I think that could work. So, I mean, we're here because we have strong opinions on a lot of things, and we want to get them out there. Mm-hmm. And you know, not that we feel like we're more important than anybody else, but I think in the times we're living in, uh, to talk about the hard things, you know, whether it's politics or raising your kids in this era, family, marriage, we can talk about a lot of those things and we have a lot of strong opinions on them. Mm -hmm. And while we're doing it together, I I like when you say, you know, it came out of texts and Facebook messages. Uh, During the pandemic, I think we used to talk a lot, especially when I was home. And it just continued. And we talked about all kinds of things. And we don't always agree on everything, especially you know, politics or whatever. We don't, we don't agree on everything, but I think we try to get to the same spot, but just in a different way.
1: Now they're all trying to figure out which one is the Trumper <laughs> because you said that, right? Yeah, maybe, maybe. Well, that was something, certainly, that I actually talked about with my daughter when I was telling her that I had spoken to you about doing this, and she said, but don't you and Johnny usually agree on things? Why is that
0: gonna be interesting? A friend of mine, a mutual friend of ours said the same thing. And I don't think we agree on everything. I think when we talk about a certain subject, we're gonna disagree, and it's gonna be weird who disagrees with who. Mm -hmm. Um, I think you have a a stronger opinion on that than I might. Mm -hmm. yeah, we're going we're gonna to disagree on some stuff, but we won't be disagreeable.
1: Ooh, listen to that. I was going to say, because of the time we're living through right now, we're recording this first episode on October 11th, so it's a very politically charged time yeah. that a lot of our topics will deal with politics, but we're not necessarily a political pod.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I agree with that. I, I think... Yeah, you know, we're going to have, the election is, what, four weeks away? A
1: little less than.
0: Okay, so there's going to be some political stuff in here. But I think at the core, we're we're family people, community people, and we're going to talk about all those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. So if you want to come to a place where you're going to get a variety of topics and a variety of opinions, strong opinions, Mm -hmm. then this is the right place.
1: So who are you, Johnny?
0: Who am I? I'm Batman. No. Um, I'm Johnny Hampton, originally from Queens, New York. I've been living in Florida now 15 years. Yeah. My, my mom actually sent me a message the other day. Are you happy you moved to Florida? I, I am. I think it was better for my kids, but my sensibilities are New York sensibilities, specifically inner city sensibilities. So when I look at the world, I look at it through that lens, whether it's, what the kids are doing on social media that sometimes I don't understand because they draw so much attention to themselves. Um, like every time I go on social media, and I see a kid taping a fight, and I don't under I and being,
1: these, these accounts set up for that purpose.
0: Being from where I'm from, I don't understand the videotaping of an assault <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and drawing attention to that. I don't understand that. In my generation, I don't think we were so much of a look-at-me generation. And that's just so that when I come at things, I come at things from living in Queens, New York for 21 years until I moved to Brooklyn with my girlfriend who became my wife. And that's how I look at the world. I don't think it's ever going to change. Uh, I look at things from a certain perspective. And there's certain rules that I live by because of that. So, are we going to tell our age? Do I have to tell my age as well? You're going to have to say anything you don't want to say. Oh, I'm (laughs) 40-ish. Why would you not tell your age? All right, all right. What makes you uncomfortable
1: at your age? Just feeling older?
0: I do feel older. Mm -hmm. Um, But my wife always tells me I'm still young. So, but I do... at times, especially when I'm dealing with my kids nowadays, I do feel older. There's certain things I just don't understand. So I'm 44. I just turned 44 last July. This past July, excuse me. So I'm 44 now.
1: That's something that Joe, my husband Joe, says a lot. He says things and he's like, oh my gosh, I sound like
0: somebody's dad now. Like to get off my lawn kind of. When I'm driving in the car or And my son puts some music on. (laughs) Or he's in the shower listening to his playlist. Oh, and I say, what is this you're listening to? (laughs) Like, I immediately feel like my dad.
1: (laughs) And nothing makes me feel older than listening to their music. Because there's very little that reaches me the way my music reached me when I was their age.
0: Some (laughs) of it I can listen to. Some of it I like. But the majority of it, can't do it. Mm -hmm. Now... Where are? Why are you here? Where are you from? Oh, are we you?
1: done talking about you right. already? I mean, like
0: five minutes. Oh, do we need to talk longer about me? Oh well, I need. I guess I need to tell you I've been married now, nineteen years. I've been with my wife, twenty-two years. The joke I've been and I was. I've been waiting to to say this for a long time. I tell Ebony, I've been with you half my life. <laughs> <laughs> i can't i can't go anywhere now it would be like throwing my life away (laughs) and i have two children uh one my eldest child is 22 and uh, um my youngest my son he will be 13 in about a month and he he is uh becoming challenging to me not because he's a bad kid i just me and my dad had a a very good relationship and i kind of i kind of want that for me and him
1: did you have a really good relationship when you were 13. oh from jump yeah
0: yeah my dad was a good dad but i think what helped my dad was he had me when he was 18. so when i was 13 he was only 31 years old he was still a relatively young man he was in his athletic prime still listened to the same music i did like i remember coming home and him listening to Snoop Doggy Dog cleaning the house. Mm-hmm. Like, this is the newest rapper, he's listening to him because he's still- He's still young. Right, whereas now I'm 31 years older than Anthony. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's the thing that for me, I think about a lot. I just want us to have a close relationship. I want him to be able to talk to me about things. I don't want him to talk about things with these knuckleheads at school who, don't, who know just as much as he does. But he might think they know more. Like I had a conversation with him about something just the other day, and I said, "Hey, listen, I know your your friends are gonna tell you something, but I'm 44. I know a little bit more than them, even about this. So you should probably listen to me." He doesn't like that very much. I think he, I think he views me right now. He might view me as an old man. He might tell you something different if he was here. But he, I think, he views me as an old man right now. I think. Couple of years he might come back around. I'm sure
1: he will. Yeah. I'm sure he will. But
0: he loves his mother. He's a mama's boy.
1: (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) He loves his mother. Says the woman whose son is in the other room.
0: (laughs) Yeah, y'all love that. I
1: don't know what it is about mothers and sons, but it's powerful.
0: Yeah, it really is. Mm -hmm. Uh, I could tell with him. Just last night, we had a little thing at the house where my wife opened the refrigerator. She realized somebody had eaten her cherry yogurt. And she turned to me with malice (laughs) (laughs) and said to me, Johnny, did you eat my cherry yogurt? To which I replied, I don't even like cherries, by the way. Babe, I don't eat cherry yogurt. She asked her son, baby boy, Anthony, did you eat my cherry yogurt? Maybe. (laughs) So then he admitted he ate the yogurt.
1: And he didn't really...
0: Suffered no consequences. I mean, she joked a little bit about it. But had it been me, I may have had to replace the yogurt. Sounds about right. Never mind the fact that he was just ready to let me take the fall. (laughs) He did not openly admit that he ate the yogurt.
1: Kids,
0: man. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So now we've talked enough about me.
1: Okay. All right. Uh, Okay. I am originally from Flint, Michigan. Uh, I lived there until I was 18 years old and uh, ended up going the first two years of school, uh, leaving and going to Chicago to an acting conservatory at DePaul University.
0: Which I just found out.
1: Just now, this minute? Yes. You're this many years old when you Yes, yes. Yep, yep, that's where I started. I spent two years at the theater school at DePaul, and then I took a year off and stayed there, my gap year. I don't think they called it that then. I think they called it, my parents really hoped I went back to college (laughs) in a year they made me an offer I couldn't refuse and said, you know, okay, we'll give you this year and you're working and we'll help Mm -hmm. you out, but if you're not back in school somewhere next year, you're on your own. Which was legit, I mean, you know. Uh, But I was uh, making a change, I was realizing I didn't want to work, I didn't want to be an actor. Mm -hmm. Um, And I didn't know what else I was good at or interested in or anything like that. So that year was, uh, I packed a lot into that year off. You know, kind of having your bills paid and only having to make your spend money must in be Chicago is nice. pretty awesome. I mean, must be nice. It was pretty awesome. So I was a nanny of two beautiful boys by day, and a bartender in a, a really kind of chic bistro in Lincoln Park by night. And uh, it was fabulous. It was a great year.
0: And see, that, see that's interesting because my parents. I had to go to college straight after mm-hmm. they, they didn't gap year What is that mm-hmm. like what is that
1: yeah i mean we didn't call it that and i don't know what their conversations were like at
0: home yeah i mean four years i did i i went it took me five
2: mm-hmm.
0: but then in the interim i had a kid <laughs> but, um, uh-huh. yeah i mean that that's that that is interesting yeah to have you know i always to have that luxury that's good.
1: Yeah.
0: Sorry, we, we, we don't know about that from... <laughs> we we don't know about that.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, I don't know how many people from Flint had that luxury. Either, Very but lucky. But it was, it was. And like I said, I don't know what my parents said about it back home. Or now, here's a
0: question. At the time, did you realize how lucky you were?
1: I think I did. Because I uh, was living the life that I wanted to live. But the whole time I was preparing for what... I mean, I took it seriously for where I was going to be the following fall. Hmm. Um, because during that period of time, while I was nanny by day of our <laughs> nanny by night, I was also applying to get into the University of Michigan. Um, so I do think, I do think at the time I realized.
0: See, most 20-somethings would, would probably would not realize that.
1: Mm-hmm. No. And I had, during that year, uh, a friend of mine from Flint that I grew up with. Um, came down and settled there for a few, like I had some roots come that kind of kept my feet on the ground during that time too, because it would be very easy in a, you know, in a city like that without any real responsibility.
0: Fun fact, I've never been to Chicago. You have not been to Chicago? That's crazy, right? Oh my gosh. I've never
2: been to LA. I don't
1: don't know how my parents dropped their 17-year-old daughter off in Lincoln Park and then turn around and went back home. Maybe I was their fourth, I was their youngest. We were just talking a couple minutes ago about our countdown clocks for when our kids yes. are out of the house.
0: Cartwheels, they did.
1: But I can't imagine how they did that. And I didn't, I mean, I thought I knew a lot, but I didn't know anything about anything.
0: Yeah, that's a, I mean, that's, Chicago's probably a little different from Flint, Michigan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would imagine.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, um, So it was a good, I mean, I I was lucky that the program was a conservatory, and it was a a small school anyway, but the program was a conservatory, so I was with the same people all day, every day, Mm, kind of in a, you know, a pod. Bubble. A bubble. um, Which I think was helpful. But then, you know, that year, I still lived with some people from that bubble. My Mm. roommates were still at school, but my whole life was outside of that my work,
0: and my fun. And then you ended up at the University of Michigan. And I ended
1: up at the University of Michigan. I ended up, I, uh, there was a boy, huh? there was a, a boy from high school that came down during that gap year. Um,
0: you followed a boy? Thing? No, I didn't follow him. <laughs> <laughs> Let's I, just make wait, this clear. I wish America could see your eyes <laughs> when you said that to me I just didn't now. follow <laughs> him. You have some nerve. <laughs> I didn't
1: follow him, um, but he made some suggestions, and they were good suggestions. I mean, you know, it wasn't a bad place to follow somebody, too, and we didn't stay together. I mean, we weren't together by the time I got there, mm-hmm. but I continued with the process, um, and it was good. It was a really good move. The month that I spent at home, I, my lease was up on my Chicago apartment in June, and I didn't start school until August. So that period of time at home was horrible for all of us because I came home thinking I knew it all. Yeah, you
0: both you, well, you if you're you've been independent so long, and that
1: that that independent is relative. I yes,
0: because we we talk about that. My wife and I always talk about that with Tiara. Tiara is my eldest child, and we always talk about when Tiara comes home how the dynamics are so different. Mm-hmm. You know, Tiara's out there in Tampa. Living the best life, or trying, just trying to do the adulting thing. Mm-hmm. I won't say best life because it's a struggle when you're that young, mm-hmm. and there's different rules. No curfew, no checking in, none of that. Do what I want, sleep with who I want, have whoever I want in my home. And it's different when you come home and now you. Because once I don't care how old you get, when you come to your parents' house, you gotta follow their rules. You could be. 45 years old and if your mom tells you you got to take off your shoes when you get it from the door you got to do that
2: yeah
0: that's just what it is and so i can understand how you haven't been in chicago for all that time would come on and say this is for the bird <laughs> 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 what is dad talking about i'm gonna go where i want to go yeah 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 and i
1: think i was part of my mom i remember her dropping me off a few days early where i was gonna be living with a, another old high school friend in mm-hmm. Ann Arbor, and it wasn't, uh, it wasn't warm and fuzzy. <laughs> <laughs> it Ooh. was repaired quickly, but yeah, it was, she, it was It was good that I had a place to go and.
0: and yeah, uh, you probably needed that, you know, that's that happens with daughters and moms sometimes, Mom. not all the time, sometimes.
1: Yeah, I'm sure. So yeah, so I uh, spent, I, I Graduated from Michigan in 96 and stayed in Ann Arbor. I ended up living there for several years after graduation. It's just a neat town. Got there, stayed there long enough to feel like I was a local and could be annoyed when the students came to town and happy when <laughs> I left. There's a little town right outside Ann Arbor called Ypsilanti, and that's really where I lived, even though I worked and socialized in Ann Arbor. I could and then see And my husband there.
0: I can see you now.
1: Parents' weekend. Oh, Seriously, <laughs> <Right. laughs> yeah. so well, I was working in restaurants, so um, I worked in a, a kind of relatively upscale seafood restaurant on Main Street, where the coaches had their recruiting dinners. Oh wow! And the parents came in, you know, for all of the all of the weekends, whatever. Yep. Yeah.
0: yeah, so. I always tell my wife that you're always meant to be where you're meant to be. You, you went all that whole journey, went to Chicago, took the gap year, went to Michigan, and then you found your husband there. Mm-hmm. If you don't do all those things, mm-hmm. you, you don't find your husband and you have this yeah. life you have now.
1: Yeah. When I met him, I was in the very early stages of applying to join the Peace Corps. What? I mm-hmm.
0: was. Yes. Wow. Yeah. And then you were like,
1: oh, I don't think I can travel the world. (laughs)
2: Because I've fallen in love. (laughs) Wow.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So we uh, apparently met a couple of times before it stuck. We had a mutual friend. Mm. And, you know, we're kind of at the same party or whatever a couple of times without really remembering each other. But then uh, one day in... June, I had a cough, cold, whatever. I was laying on the couch of this mutual friend and their roommates, and we were watching hockey, right? Because you know the playoffs, was the, playoffs. And
0: the Stanley Cup. Yeah, playoffs. and we were
1: uh, big Red Wing fans, and we were winning at the time. <laughs> and uh, uh, this mutual friend came in with Joe, and. That was kind of it. This time it stuck. We, uh, all of a sudden, I didn't feel so sick anymore. I kind of <laughs> sat <up, laughs> paid attention, but he was there. I didn't know it until quite a bit later, but he was there that night to meet up with another girl. I don't know what happened to that other girl. We never ran into her. Uh,
0: That's so crazy. Yeah. So now I feel like I should tell the story of me and my wife now. Uh-huh. I think you should have oh, one. It's, yeah, yeah, she loves this story. <laughs> you know, when I met my wife, I was going to school, and I, and I had a baby on the way. America, we won't talk too much about that right this second. <laughs> but I was not with the person. Put a pin in that yeah, we'll put a pin in that one for <laughs> a later discussion, a later podcast. <laughs> but I was, I was having a, a child with a woman I was no longer with. And I met my wife at work. Now, I did not pay any attention to her, because at the time, and see, I don't, America's gonna think the worst of me right now. But at the time, even though I was having a baby with someone else, I was kind of dating my high school sweetheart. It was a weird time. So apparently when I met my wife, she liked me early on, but I didn't know. And I guess I didn't know because I wasn't paying attention. She says that all the time. I, I, you don't pay attention if someone's flirting with you. I, I, maybe, I, maybe it was the, the fact that I was going to school, having a baby, trying to balance all this stuff. So when I met her, it was like the fall of 97. And I didn't, like I said, I didn't pay much attention to her. We had mutual friends at work. And then that next year, 1998, uh, my daughter was about to be born, our daughter I say. Um, which is another discussion for another day. Yeah. Maybe we'll pin that one too. And I remember one day she came up to me because we had, like I said, we had a group of friends and we would talk. And the discussion of the last week or so was me having a baby on the way and a girl that I'm dating not being cool with it, which is normal, <laughs> understandable. But from my standpoint. I was gonna be all about my child that was about to be born and if you couldn't get on board with that, then I can't be with you. And we were we were kinda talking through those things. And I'll never forget, I worked at a place, it was called I don't know what they called it when we when we merged, but it was a place where you go in Queens and you can pay your real estate bill and you could pay your parking violation. They merged them. I started working at the real estate tax collector. When I was about a junior in college, my best friend, I was working at Model Sporting Goods, which I think no longer exists now in New York City. R.I.P. Models. <laughs> if you're from Queens, if you're from New York, you know this store. It's a sporting goods store, kind of like dicks mm-hmm. and those kind of things. And I never forget my best friend. Came, my best friend's dad came in there. He said, "Are you ready to get out of here?" I was like, "What do you mean?" He said, "I got a job for you. You know, you can do something." more towards your field because I was an accountant. So he got me this job. I was at the real estate tax collector and they merged with parking violations in Queens. So anyway, Ebony comes up to me while I'm sitting in the window with a mutual friend of ours. And she says to me, have you and your girlfriend decided what you're gonna do about your relationship? And I said, I can
1: hear that in her voice. Yes.
0: And I said, no, we have not made any decisions. And she said to me in front of all of our coworkers, every window was filled, and she did not say it quietly. She said, well, you need to tell her to hurry up because other people are waiting in line. And walked away. Now, mind you, I had no idea at the time she even looked at me that way. And I read my turn to our friend and I said, is she serious? And he's cracking up. He's like, yes, she's serious. Apparently, he had gotten so tired of her talking about me <laughs> that he told her if she didn't tell me she liked me, he would, because we had gotten to be very good friends, me and him. And shout out to Okito. He's responsible for everything. And she walked away. And I'll, I'll never forget, I remember telling her afterwards, <laughs> And a co-worker of ours was saying, it's about time she told you. Like, I was literally clueless. I didn't know anything. I remember telling her, you know, I got a lot going on right now. I don't really think I should be, you know, getting into another relationship. But here's my beeper number. <laughs> that shows you how old I am. You know, if you ever want to talk, just beep me. And she basically beeps me every night after I got out of class. And she always said, well you didn't have to call me back, but anybody who knows me, I call everybody back. And we would talk almost every night. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, now here we are 22 years later.
1: That is a a way more beautiful story than I was watching (laughs) hockey and he walked in and he was there to meet another girl and we went to a bar and had a few drinks. And the next thing I know, he's putting his hand in my back pocket saying, you picking up what I'm putting down? And I did, like, Joe is basically the the one night stand that didn't end, <laughs> Yeah, well. it was supposed to just be a hookup, and you know, but we have to tell people what's interesting about when I met Joe and when you met Ebony. Yes,
0: we started dating on the exact same date. On
1: the exact same year.
0: That is insane. Uh-huh. I, whenever you put like, so, when that comes up on your Facebook, it is always like, that is so crazy. Yeah.
1: Now, we decided we were dating in totally different ways because you guys have this beautiful story of how you (laughs) met, and it's drawn out. Joe and I were hooking up. (laughs) 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 At one point, the girl that I was with, I leaned over to her when we were leaving the bar, Connor O'Neill's, on Main Street in Ann Arbor. And I said to my friend, he's cute, right? Like, how bad am I going to regret this tomorrow? He's cute, right? She said, yeah, he's cute.
0: And you, and you didn't, that's so funny, because you just never know. Um, you never know. For many, like my wife, Ebony, was the first person who ever told me, like the first girl who took the initiative. Woman, she was a woman then. And I kind of liked that. Mm-hmm. Little did I know that initiative would never <laughs> would never end. But no, and I never saw it coming. Like when people say like, You'll find love when you know you're not looking for it. Mm-hmm. That is really the truth, because that's what happened to me,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and it's what happened to you. That's what happened you to just watching hockey. I was trying <laughs> trying to watch the Red Wings. Just trying to watch the. Red and Red got a husband Wings. out of it. <laughs> yep, that's right.
1: Wonder, I often wonder what happened to that other girl. Like, what is she doing right now? What would have happened if she would have shown up?
0: She was never going to show up because it wasn't meant for her to show that's up. Right. Uh, see, that's how okay. I feel about things. Like, okay. she was never going to show up. Whatever happened that day was meant for to happen, and she went down whatever road. Mm-hmm. It's just like I, I, tell, I tell my best friend's father, uh, shout out Mr. Hadley. I, I told him one day, like, you know, you're responsible for my marriage. Said, what do you mean? If I don't get that job, I never meet Ebony.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: If you don't come in that specific day and get me that specific job that then merges with that specific company, mm-hmm. I never see her. I don't even see her. Mm-hmm. Forget about marriage, I never even see her. How about that? Everything happens on its own timing. Mm-hmm. I'm a believer of that.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so, Joe and I got married in 2000, September 9th, 2000. Uh, moved back to Flint. That's where we had our two kids. They were both born in Flint. And the economy was tanking in 2007, oh. 2008. And Joe, it happened a little, Michigan was a little ahead of the curve. You know, when all that happened. Yeah,
0: because of the car industry. Right,
1: and Joe was wrapped up in it. He worked in automotive logistics and was kind of downsized a couple times. And uh, Joe came home from work one day. I can't remember what month. January, February? And I was home. I was a stay-at-home mom at the time. Mm -hmm. And I was vacuuming. And that morning, I'm a coffee drinker. I drink one cup of coffee every morning. It's my favorite. <laughs> and that morning, I was trying to drink it and it didn't taste right. It didn't taste good to me. I'm vacuuming and Joe comes home, comes in the back door, and I don't hear him. And I turn around and I scream, you know, he startles me. Mm-hmm. He's home because he lost his job. Okay. About 24 to 48 hours later, I realize I'm pregnant with Carolyn. And he was unemployed for a good chunk of that I bet. pregnancy. And one of the first interviews he went on, a company flew him down to Savannah, Georgia to interview him. Um, and he didn't get that job, but he, they really liked each other, the company and yeah. Joe. And so Joe would follow up with them every month or five or six weeks just to see. And one day, you know, there was never any for the right anything. But one day, they called him or he called them. I don't remember how that happened, but they said, we've got something. It's not exactly what you want to do. It's not where you want to do it. And it's not going to pay you what you're looking for. So in other
0: words, a perfect <laughs> opportunity. <laughs>
1: but a perfect opportunity came up. Uh, they said, but we'll move you there. Mm. And uh, that was see, that was probably July of that month, July of 2007, 2008, July of 2008, uh, he moved down to Wilson, North Carolina, a month ahead of me and the kids, and got us set up, lived in a hotel for a little while, found a place for us to move into, and that's, we, uh, we left Flint, Michigan at that point, point. Um, and it was, again, perfect timing, because we were losing our house. You know, we'd gone through the savings and, you know, just everything. And it was just, it was, and again, it was ahead of the curve. We got a couple offers for a short sale type sale, mm-hmm. but the bank was not yet accepting them. Now that house stood empty for a couple of years and eventually sold for pennies. I mean, they sh- should have taken one of the offers we brought them, but didn't. So
0: That was a bad time for everyone. It was a bad time. I remember we were already down here when that was happening. And my wife worked for a construction company. Ed worked for a construction company. And I want to say she had just had Anthony. It was, I can't remember if it was 08 or 09. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I can't remember the year, but I, I know An- Anthony was already born. And she called me once. I was working at a shipyard, I was a controller at a shipyard, and she called me. And they had laid her off. And it was, you know, I, I take things in stride, but it was nerve-wracking. Because um, we, we were both making pretty decent money for Floridians, mm-hmm. you know? And, you know, Tiara was, you know, middle school. We had a toddler. And I remember, you know, at first I was shocked. But then I kind of looked at it as an opportunity because my wife was not fulfilled in her career. Me, on the other hand, I always knew I wanted to be an accountant. I was a numbers guy from the beginning. I was always cool. Can you do
1: percentages in your head?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Some people think it's challenging. (laughs) Um, And I, I I remember saying to her, you know, because thankfully our president at the time had extended unemployment benefits, so she had 18 months to really decide, hey, what are we gonna do? Because there really were not a lot of jobs. They just weren't. Um, and I remember saying to her, well, you love to cook. Maybe you should go to culinary school. And she's like, well, I can't go to a culinary school. It's too expensive. But then she found a local school that can give you a culinary degree, two years, associates. And the original plan was she was going to start her own catering company. But then the laws down here didn't allow that. But she ended up becoming a chef. And now she's a boss at a fancy, fancy, fancy golf resort. Mm-hmm. And she really learned a lot in school. She was actually in the local paper. For didn't know that. It's on our, I think, oh, it's probably because we used to have it on our wall. It might still be there. She came in. She came in second. And we got to... It was like the Rolex twenty four dinner at Daytona. They did a contest. She came in second. We got to ride in the car on the track. Oh, cool. Yeah, it was yeah. It was pretty cool. It was wow. pre- Yeah, yeah, it was pretty cool. And you know, now she's a full full chef. know yeah. you know I'm, future
1: food truck owner. I hope so.
0: I think it's it's so difficult to get alone and do all those kind of things and I know she wants to do it and she's been wanting to for a long time and you know, I hope so. Yeah, you know, that's what I, I don't like. I won't speak for my wife a lot in this podcast. She does not <laughs> like me to speak for for her. I want to get her on one day though, yes, so because, we'll see about that. But yeah, that 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 economic downturn, that collapse affected everyone.
1: It did. It really did, and it it took a toll on a lot of things. I mean, Joe and I have had high highs and low lows in that first probably a year, two years in North Carolina was a low because, you know, we had these two kids, this little baby, no family around. I pouted for a year not wanting to make a friend or Mm. these crazy North Carolinians. (laughs) Like, there'd be a threat of a flake of snow and everything would shut down. and, (laughs) and, And it was, I mean, there was all, it was very, very different. I did not make that transition all that easy for us but it turned around we ended up having a little over 9 good, you know, good years in overall in North Carolina. I owned a business there. I worked in fitness and owned uh, a little boutique group fitness studio. And um, won my own award. I was voted Wilson, North Carolina's favorite <laughs> fitness professional. Oh, really? Uh-huh. <laughs> I was. <laughs> Um, and then uh let's see we've been here in Florida three years which is another story how we got here i want to press you with with two sad stories in the same <laughs> podcast we'll say we we'll put a pin in that one i'm sure it'll come up
0: yeah i we got to Florida um we decided to move to Florida after some family things happened i gotta get clearance from my wife to talk right. about those things though yeah. so maybe when we get her on we'll talk about them but we we decided to make the move we didn't we never thought we would own a home. Like, you know, I don't want to put it that, like, it just, when you grow up, how we grow up, you don't think about that. You just think about renting apartments because it's what you know. Mm-hmm. And we came down here, we used to come here to visit my grandmother. She lives down here in Palm Coast, she's been here. Her and my grandfather moved in 1989. Uh, he's passed away now, but she's still here. We used to come and visit. And we came one, one year to visit. And we just toured some model homes. And we went into one. And that, that was the gift and the curse of the economic down. Like before, <laughs> right, right before everything happened, they were giving away homes. You could get a loan like that. Okay. So we, I remember we put down $2,000 and had a house built. Amazing. Now we had a crazy loan at the time, but I'm an accountant. Mm-hmm. And so I fully understand. Hey, we're going to be in this year and then I'm going to refinance it. And we did that, and it got lower and... But yeah, we came down here after some things, and I'll I'll never forget, I I thought I was gonna get a divorce because they were building our home, and they kept telling us it was gonna be ready, so in December of 05, okay? But my parents had already moved down here. They stole my idea. (laughs) My dad used to always say, you know, you used to you, you used to you and Ebony used to talk about it, and I said, to, I said, to, I said to your mother one day, we got to get down there because they're going to have kids, and we're never going to be able to see them. And so they actually moved down here a year before I did, um, and they would be at our home that was being built, taking pictures and sending them to us. Okay, but you remember, you got to remember, back in those days, they were sending these pictures in the mail. Okay, <laughs> we're talking about two thousand, early two thousand five. Like they weren't texting them to us or anything like that. They weren't, my parents didn't use email. So I remember getting these pictures like in March of 2005 and saying, wow, this house is going up pretty fast and we need to get down there. So something happened in our family in April of that year. We had a little tragedy and I remember getting a call from, An employment agency saying, hey, Johnny, if you want to get a job down here, you got to be down here. Because we have too many people that come, get jobs, and they say they don't want to live down here, and they move back. So now we just had a family tragedy, and I have to tell my wife, hey, listen, we have to leave all of your family, go down to Florida, stay with your (laughs) in-laws, until my home is built. Yeah. Super fun, right? Right. We'll get our home after you live with your in laws. And she agreed though. She knew. She trusted me. Um, my wife oftentimes gives me a lot of for lack of a better word, gives me a lot of shit. But she does trust me. Mm-hmm. Especially when I'm very serious, like so she trusted me and we left. Now all my family was here. But her mom, all of her sisters everyone she knew was up north and i'll never forget when we got down here we drove down We had all the stuff in the car mostly her shoes and purses (laughs) (laughs) and we got i said let's go look at the house before we go to my parents house now i don't know anything i know what i know and i don't know what i don't know like listen i don't know anything about homes my wife is a handyman she's the handyman of the home she picked out everything in the house. The floor plan, she knew how big it was supposed to be. Everything. I didn't know anything. Just mm-hmm. Let me know when to sign the papers and when we gotta start paying for this thing. That was the only thing I had. We got down there, we walked around the house. It was me, her, and Tiara. Anthony was not around at the time. And I remember we got back in the car and she started crying. And I thought to myself, oh shit. That's it. I'm done. Like we, She doesn't like the house. She's gonna wanna go back home. I said, what's the matter? And she said, it's exactly how I thought it would be. And I said, oh, I got a month. (laughs) I got time. So we came down, I think it was Memorial Day weekend, 2005. And I got got a job the next week. It was, and the funny thing about that is during that time period, when the house was being built, I was flying back and forth looking for jobs. And I came on Martin Luther King weekend, one weekend. And I went to uh, an employment agency up in Jacksonville. It was called Accountant Sink. It's different now. I don't know what it's called now. I said, I'm here for the open house. And the woman, Jill, she said, the open house was last week. Crap. I said, oh, I don't, I, I don't, I'm not a rich man. So I <laughs> bought this plane ticket. I came down here to do this thing. She's like, but I'll give you... All the tests they took, because in New York they don't do this. But down here, you say you're an accountant, they want to make sure. you got (laughs) to sit in front of a computer and take an exam. and So I did all that, and she said, okay, I'll call you if I find out anything. And I had quit my job. I gave them two weeks in the middle of May, because they said to close in the house, you have to have a job down here. Mm -hmm. That was the rules back then. I don't know what the rules are now, but those those were the rules then. And Friday, I was leaving my my job. I was leaving at five o'clock. It was three o'clock on that Friday, my last day. Jill called me. She said, "Johnny, when are you coming down here?" I said, "Well, it's funny you call. You know, today's my last day." She said to me, "I got an interview for you next week." And I went. I think that next week, Wednesday or Thursday, we got down here Memorial Day weekend. And I was working the following Monday.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you, universe.
0: Things are supposed to happen when they're supposed to happen. Yeah. So I ended up getting that job. And then my first week at that job, I was looking for Ebony a job. Mm-hmm. And she got a job, I think, within, within two three weeks. Mm-hmm. So we got down here Memorial Day. And I think by the end of June, both of us were working. Mm-hmm. And the house that they said was going to be built and uh, done in December was done, I want to say, August 6th or something like that. Four months ahead of time. So if we wouldn't have come down, mm-hmm. who knows what would have happened? Mm-hmm. And Perfect. we've been we've been down here ever since. Super luck. No, not lucky, but timing is everything.
1: Mm-hmm. Timing is everything.
0: Yeah. And here we are. Here we are. See? Here I, we And if I didn't live down here, we would not be doing this podcast. Yes. I know. <laughs> Your only worded podcast is brought to you by the good folks at the Flagler County Basketball Program. For high-quality, community-based youth basketball, you don't have to look any further than the Flagler County Hurricanes. Open to young people 8 through 18. Season starts November seventh. Sign up now at FlaglerHurricanes.com. okay well we met in a basketball gym you did. <laughs> I am a youth basketball coach in my spare time um, I've been coaching for a league here in Palm Coast the Flagler County Basketball League sponsors of the
1: first yes first sp- episode, sponsors
0: yeah. of our first episode uh, we've been and I've been coaching it for four years um, I kind of got fooled into it by my dad I can say that now He's he's not here to defend himself <laughs> <laughs> But I kind of got fooled into it, and I became his assistant on the older teams and the head coach on the younger teams. And um, I think it was It might have only been my second season here. cause it was was it mm-hmm. it was 17, right? Mm-hmm. Like the spring. Yeah. Okay.
1: Fall.
0: It was fall. Fall. Oh right, right, right. No, it was spring, because DiMaggio and him were there. It was after the basketball season, so it was. Was it really? Because yes. I thought.
1: It was right after he didn't make
0: it. No, it wasn't. Because remember, DiMaggio and them, they didn't play during, my dad never let them play during the season. I guess you're right. Yes. So, um, that early... That
1: doesn't make any sense to me. I thought we found you guys right away.
0: No. Mm Mm-mm. Okay. Because I don't even think we had the high school division. You're right. Okay. So, So, that... 2017, it probably was February, because mm-hmm. that's when we usually start that up. Um, my dad had an older team. I was the assistant, and um, he had a very good team at the time. He coached a lot of kids that made varsity since they were in the seventh grade, so they, after their season was over, they would come play in our league. Um, for people back home in New York City or across the country, um, it's a rec league. I think it's a little bit higher competition at times than a rec league, but it's a rec league where people volunteer their time to coach. And our whole goal is to develop these kids so they get to play high school basketball, which a lot of them do. Mm -hmm. Um, My dad had a great team that season. There were two great teams that season though. He had a great team in which he had about four varsity players on his team. So at our first practice, you know, what I used to do with my dad when he was the head coach and I was the assistant, he would run the practice and I would sit on the side and watch the kids and then let him know what I saw. Cause a lot of times he would let me do the substituting. Yeah, cause he didn't like to deal with the high school kids getting attitudes. So he felt like I should deal with that. <laughs> <laughs> and Sue's son, Joseph was shooting around and then they started playing a little bit and he was playing and I remember I went over, I
2: don't, Joe was there too, right? Both of you Both back.
0: of you guys were there. And I went over to them, cause I had been to some FPC FB, games, the local high school. The only one I acknowledged, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had been to the local high school games and I didn't see their son on the court. I did not see Joseph there, JV or Varsity. And I remember sitting with them and I said to them, um, are you new? I, I don't know if I asked you if you were new in town. And you were like, yeah. I said, well, did Joseph try out for JV? And you said, yes, he didn't make it. I said, wow. Uh, I remember saying,
2: wow, that's, uh, to me, that's a little ridiculous.
0: <laughs> but in full disclosure now, I, co- I coach at FBC, and the amount of kids that show up for tryouts, like if you don't know what you're looking for, mm-hmm. it's difficult. Um, so at the time, I was like, oh man, how did they miss this kid? You know, now I kind of understand a little bit more. But I remember telling. Still
1: unforgivable.
0: <laughs> I remember telling Sue and Joe, well, he's going to be pretty good. And we, you know, we would talk from time to time. And I remember that season, like, we had like five varsity players starting, and the back of the bench was. Um, not as talented as those varsity players. So we could not play them at all times, especially because that that year, that division was pretty competitive. They had a lot of high school kids playing at the two high schools that came and played in the league. But the one person that all of the varsity players from FPC wanted to play in the game was Joseph. He would be the first sub off the bench. Sometimes he'd be the only sub that played because my father was like that. If you weren't ready, you weren't gonna play. And from time to time, Sue, if you know her, (laughs) she doesn't really bite her tongue. If she sees something, she's gonna say something. I think that slogan was made for her. See something, say something. Get it on a (laughs) t-shirt. So at times she would say, you know, I feel like this and that is going on with the team. I'm the assistant coach. And as a coach, you can tell when someone is complaining and when someone is telling you something that they think would actually help, not just their kid, but every kid. I don't know how to explain how you know this. You just do. You can tell someone who's just belly aching about their kid against someone who really wants to help you help the program. You can just tell. So when I heard things from Sue, I would go back and tell my dad. And I would say, hey, that yes.
1: older lady's belly aching. No, head. I would
0: say, hey, listen, Joseph's mom said she recognized X, Y, and Z. I just thought you should know. Now, my dad also had that kind of radar. He didn't talk to every parent. He left that to me most of the time. But there was a there were times when Sue would say something. He would go talk to her. And I would be mortified. <laughs> he would talk to her about what she saw and say, hey, you know, I, you know, Johnny told me. This and that happen, I'll, I'll look for it. And then Sue would come to me.
1: I didn't tell you to have to tell your father. You didn't want to be that parent, that, that <laughs> parent A in your descriptions. No,
0: but like I say, coaches, good coaches, know the difference. Okay? And my dad was one of them. Like, he, he knew people who knew basketball and weren't just trying to get their son more playing time and stuff. And so we kind of met that way. Um,. But I don't think we really became friends like that until um, you guys started to volunteer for the league. So my first couple of years in the league, I was just a coach. But I would show up and I would stay all day because I watched the, I watched the games. And my dad would always be like, why do you stay all day? You got stuff to do on Saturday. Like, first of all, not really because my <laughs> wife is working most of these Saturdays. Well, second of all, like if we're going to coach against the team, shouldn't we know what they do? He's like, oh, that makes sense. So I would be at the gym all day. So eventually, uh, the, our league director, Fitzgerald Belgrave, Fitz we call him, he, him and his wife came to me and asked me if I wanted to take on a more a uh, heavier role with the league, which I did, and then they got together like a volunteer group. He calls it the FCB Army. <laughs> That's what he calls it. And Sue and Joe joined that group. And we've spent a lot of time together and we've gotten closer. I remember my dad telling me, he's like, it's more like a family than a volunteer group. And then, you know, during the pandemic, I only hung out with the FCB army because I was scared of the COVID. Mm -hmm. And we would go, I remember remember when it first hit, we were so strict, we would go to get ice cream and stand socially distanced. Every family would eat their ice cream and we'd all be six feet apart. Yeah. And so over, over the last, I would say the, the last eight months, um, um, you know, my dad passed away in February. And I think since then, I've gotten a lot closer to the people mm-hmm. in the FCB. That was a big turning
2: point.
0: Yes, in the FCB army because a lot of them uh, were there for me and my wife when my dad passed away and helped us out a lot. So something I I don't forget. Um, And we just became closer, we became even more like family. And so when I got laid off during the pandemic, I didn't have anything to do but watch CNN and message people on Facebook (laughs) and make sure my son did his virtual work. (laughs) So we would talk in the group chat and then there would be some things, whether it is basketball or political, that Sue might hit me on the side and say, what do you think about this? And we would talk about those things. Mm -hmm. And I remember one of the things we talked about was um, systemic racism. And I I sent you a whole, it was like a billion messages describing all the things I had to do. If you've been to our website, stronglywordedpod.com. Yeah. Stronglywordedpod.com, you will see pictures of us and you will see that I am a black man. So systemic racism is in my wheelhouse. (laughs) And I was explaining to Sue all the different things my parents had to do because of all these different systemic things in order to get me a good education and all these different things just to be middle class. Not to be rich, just to get from lower class to middle class. And I was explaining that to her And she said to me, Man, you tell a great story. (laughs) She said, You like she Yeah, she said, Man, you tell a great story. And I said, I've often thought about doing a podcast. She said, Oh, you should do it. But I've always been like my wife will tell you, I got all these different things, you know. And she said, You never follow through on them. And so when you sent me that message, I was like, Well, wow, this is crazy. Maybe we should follow through on this. So I'm glad to be here and that's how we met and how we you know
1: how we came to sit right. right.
0: Here. and our kids are close and you know I've coached her son a bunch soon to coach her daughter which I'm really excited about and uh, I think based on how things are now for me I think we'll be friends probably forever so And not
1: just because we're forming an LLC. (laughs) No, yes, right, exactly. The Strongly Worded Podcast is written and produced by Johnny Hampton and Sue O'Lear. Music production and vocals by Marshall Max Lamont Hamilton. And cover art by Samantha Shakes.